Get a jump start on 2024 in a new Kia from Robert Brogdon's Olathe Kia. Shop their large selection, including the new Sorento, Nero, and Soul models. You'll score big with low prices, trade assist cash, and a 30-day money-back guarantee. Visit OlatheKia.com. All right, Lee, uh, show continues on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Our thanks to Todd Lebo for helping us get through the first two hours. Stephen St. John's uh, battling some voice issues today, so he's home resting. We've got uh, Jacob Terez with you and myself, Nate Bucati, and we are joined now by our good buddy, Joe Valerio. Good morning, Joe. How are you? Hey, hey Nate. Good morning. I'm wishing Stephen well. I guess, you know, is he going to go on? Is this IR voice issues, or is it maybe just uh, week to week? Is he... Uh probable for next week you know i think it's like it's like how at the beginning of the season travis kelsey had that knee injury and then he played with it the rest of the year you know he probably was never fully healthy but just had to find a way to manage it load management yeah so we're gonna have to there's gonna be some load management for steven and his voice i think for a while until they get this thing sorted out you know well there you go now that you know the football season's you know formally over you've got to keep making those analogies right i feel you know we got to talk we got to relate everything to football because we got a long way to wait now yeah and and look the offseason seems to never really happen in the nfl now you know i mean everything's busy we immediately start going to the nfl calendar and in the free agency and everything that's in the combine that's coming up next um so so we'll start with that joe because we had a conversation last hour i'd like to get your thoughts on first and foremost as you look at the Chiefs right now, right, they, they, they are a dynasty. They've got the three Super Bowls. They're going for more. And as long as Patrick Mahomes is here, the, the window stays some level of open. What is the number one thing that they need to acquire? Like if they could find one thing, that, like this is yours for the next five years, be it a position or whatever, what's the one thing you think they should prioritize trying to get to add to this team? Oh man, that is such that is such a great question because, you know, if they're if they're looking for a star and and you know I'd have to say and I, and this is probably a captain obvious statement but I think just that number one wide receiver like and I'm not saying that Rasheed Rice isn't or couldn't be but you know that next you know Calvin Ridley Tyreek Hill you know uh, you know just one of those wide receivers that you just you can't live without. Like I think if I had a if I had a, a painting and I was a, I was a brand brand spanking new canvas and I could paint it. For me personally, I think it would be there because when I look at the star power at every position, you yeah, have been thinking about this since the Super Bowl. You know, if they you know keeping Chris Jones and the defensive line, like you know, the, obviously depth, right? I mean, that's that's another captain obvious statement, right? They're going to have to absolutely build depth at places but for for a starter and a star power player i want to give Rasheed rice the benefit of the doubt because i think he can be that player but like if they could get just one of those receivers that you have to double cover every single time they're on the field because you know their history and you know what they can do for me at that it it would be right there that's what i would do right now today and then depth Everywhere, right? I mean, we, yeah. all, we as you see, we always need depth. You look at what some of the unsung heroes did, uh, like Pinnell, you know, Nick Allegretti. Like you look at some of these guys, Drew Tranquil coming in. Like you look at the depth that they built on this team, and there's a lot of unsung heroes. We talked about that last week, but like depth is huge in the NFL today. 
So I, you know, depth everywhere and get that get that star wide receiver. Yeah, so I'm so I'm a hundred percent with you. We just when we had the conversation, and I'll I'll, I'll if they could find a tight end that plays like Travis Kelsey, mm-hmm. he could be a tight end too. That's fine. But like to me, when I go back to when the Chiefs have the ball on mm-hmm. those last two, the last drive of regulation, the last the, the last drive of the game, you know where it's going, right? Like. It's Travis Kelsey to the point where they make some big plays with Travis Kelsey, and then on the game-winning touchdown, Travis Kelsey's still incredibly involved because the other team is completely focused on we can't let him get it to Travis Kelsey, which leaves somebody else wide open. And I just don't know how much longer Travis Kelsey has of being that guy. Um, so I, I feel like they need to find that next guy. I'm with you on that. Let's revisit it because you, you referenced it. Rasheed Rice, as mm-hmm. you look at him, do you see that type of player going forward? If so, or if not, what is he missing? What needs to happen next in his progression for him to become that kind of guy? Well, I think it's it's the, the ability to learn this offense and, and run the routes exactly as, as Andy Reid and Matt Nagy and, of course, Patrick Mahomes need him to run them, right? Like, he needs to be so spot on because he doesn't have the speed of Tyreek Hill. He doesn't have the size of a Ocho Cinco or, or a Terrell Owens, right? Like, or Randy Moss. So he's going to have to, he's got the skills. He's got the hands. He's got, you know, some of that breakaway speed, but he's going to have to be a guy that runs routes absolutely perfectly to, to be that number one star wide receiver because he doesn't have, he doesn't have one. Of, he doesn't have those attributes that throw him off the charts in something else, if you know what I mean. And, and I think, I think, you know, that's kind of, you know, when you really think about Travis Kelsey, like that's really what sets him apart. Is he? Yeah, he's physically gifted. Don't get me wrong, but like he's not. You know, he's not like. I mean, I guess he put him next to Tony Gonzalez. I guess they would they would look similar, but like Tony was a beast. Like you know what I mean? Like. But, like, Travis, man, he runs – he just knows how to bust zone coverage. He knows how to break away in man. He knows how to run routes absolutely perfectly. So that's what I think Rasheed Rice needs to do. He needs to get into sync with Patrick. He needs to be the guy that he can count, that Patrick can count on, that he is in the absolute right spot every single time. I think if he works on that this offseason, he could put himself in that in that realm, considering he doesn't have, you know – any of those star quality attributes to throw him off the charts in in his physicality, so to speak. Is it safe to say that even if Rasheed Rice takes another big step forward, which we saw him take steps through the course of this season and even into the playoffs, but even if he takes another step forward going into next year, the Chiefs still need to add another wide receiver at least to this group for next season? I, I think so, Nate. I, I really do. I, I think I think that it would behoove them to have, you know, somebody with with some size. Um, I've always said the Chiefs could really use, you know, one of those back shoulder type receivers. You know, again, I'll use names like Ocho Cinco, Terrell Owens, Randy Moss. I think Travis plays that part quite a bit. You know, he can make the back shoulder catch in the end zone. You know, throwing that corner route or whatever. But like to have a receiver who's you know. Six four, six five has some bulk to him that can push some corners around and not get jammed at the line. Um, I think that is something that would be would be nice for them to do um, if they had. I, I always wondered if MBS was going to be that guy, and I, 
you know, I don't don't know if that's ever panned out as far as like getting in that stratosphere of of the Terrell Owens type or those big body wide receivers. Uh, but I think that would that would benefit them a ton uh, on offense, and I think it would open the playbook up even further for Andy if they had somebody uh, had somebody like that to, to throw the ball to. Man, think about that. If you got Rasheed Rice running perfect routes, you got Travis Kelsey busting zones, always being in the right spot. And then you throw in a receiver that, that's not going to get, you know, chucked at the line of scrimmage, uh, who's big and physical. I mean, whew, Andy could just – he could add 30, 40 pages to that already pretty thick playbook. We're visiting with Joe Valerio. So people are throwing out all the Chiefs ought to go after T. Higgins. Now he might get franchised anyway by Cincinnati. Would you be in favor of them going out and spending big on a wide receiver in his prime, or do you think that's the type of thing where it's too expensive with the other issues the Chiefs have? Just go draft another kid, hope to develop him, and maybe sign like a veteran to a one-year deal that can help out as well. Mm, that's a good. Those are those are great options, Nate. Um, I think that's the kind of stuff that Brett Beach and Andy and the rest of the staff are sitting around trying to figure out right now. And uh, it's a great question. And you know, ah, oh, man, it's. The window is so short, you know. I mean, I, I know that we are obviously in dynasty range right now, right? Like, we are in dynasty territory with this team. I mean, we, we proved it, you know, the three Super Bowls in five years, you know, there's no doubt. But still, nonetheless, the window is still always so short in the NFL. So, you know, you wonder if, if, if getting that receiver now in their prime, that they have a, a proven track record, uh, you know, but at the same time, like you said, you want to have the ability to develop somebody who's going to be long-term, right? Like a Travis Kelsey that they, you know, was basically a steal, you know, where they drafted him. Like, could they do that? And, and I think it's going to come down to like what's in the draft. So we'll see coming out of the combine. I think the combine will, t- will give us a better look into that question and, and, and maybe give us a better answer to see, what happens at the combine? Who are the receivers coming out? What do they look like coming into the combine? How do they play in their all-star games? Um, you know, what does the draft look like? Who's going to be jockeying for which position? So, um, I think that that'll probably tell us a lot. And I, and I don't think we probably will see a lot of moves that way unless you know some perfect free agent pops up for the Chiefs. But I, because I think if they do, if somebody really wants to come play with Patrick Mahomes and be a part of this dynasty. I think they have to go after that big dollar receiver. And you know what? Patrick's going to do everything he can, restructure his contract. They're going to find – they will find a way, uh, I think, because I think it is the biggest need that they have right now. Of course, the the challenge when you become a winner like the Chiefs is not only do you have to try to go out and bring guys in, you have to decide which guys you want to hold on to and which ones you want to let go. And obviously the big conversation has been Legereus Sneed or Chris Jones. And I'm not even sure that's the real question, Joe, because we don't know if they can keep either or both of them. But let's start with Chris Jones. Adam Schefter tweeted out last night, due to his 2023 cap number, Chiefs defensive lineman Chris Jones' projected franchise tag would be $32 million instead of the regular 19.7, making him an unlikely tag candidate. Chris Jones Mm -hmm. said at the parade that he wants to be a Chief still. We take that for whatever it's worth. How realistic do you think it is that the Chiefs can hold on to Chris Jones, especially considering what Adam Schefter is saying, which is they're probably not going to have the benefit of the franchise tag like they have in the past? Yeah, that that is a that is a great analysis, Nate. And I, 
if it's me personally, just kind of go back to the first part of your comment, I, I personally would I would do everything I could to keep Legereus need. I, you know, that is a position that I feel takes so much longer to develop um, and, and to have somebody who can stuff wide receivers at the line but also stay with them in, in, in man coverage. Like, to me, I, I don't know, that, that would be a huge loss uh, considering, you know, what teams do these days in the passing game, right? And, and, and as, as focused as teams are in the passing game, I, I think the defensive line is a position that you could probably – draft as high as you possibly can and get somebody to make an impact sooner. I look at what, you know, what the Eagles did with some of the guys from, from uh, you know, from, uh, from Georgia, uh, you know, the Georgia Eagles, they like to call them on defense over here uh, in Philly. But, like, I, I think you could probably – I'm not saying he's replaceable. Don't get me wrong. Uh, that would be a, that'd be a foolish statement. But I, I think you could probably get closer with a younger – stud defensive lineman who's not going to cost you as much than you would be trying to replace a luxurious need. I think that I think he has gotten to the point where uh, I mean my biggest disappointment this season for the Chiefs you know was the fact that he got snubbed for the Pro Bowl because I think he's one of the best lockdown corners in, 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 in the NFL and uh, so you know I, I, a long answer to a short question I, I think they got to keep luxurious if you had to pick the two and it came down to that. I just think he's a more logical choice from from what how how exposed the Chiefs would get on defense if he were gone, and they had to develop another player at that position. So Legereus Sneed, I mean, he's he has been incredible, like you said. The, I guess the counter argument that people would have is, don't the Chiefs and Brett Veach haven't they shown the ability to find the diamond in the rough at, at corner? And, and it sounds to me like you, you you feel like that can maybe be a little bit of a false sense of security to just assume you can keep going out and pluck guys in the third and fourth round that are as good as Legereus Sneed. Yeah, I, that that is a, that's a tall ask, you know, to try to find somebody that deep in the draft. It's who you know, I I have all the confidence and 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 and, and just belief in the front front office staff and the, and the scouts and and everybody that. Uh, that works in the Kansas City Chiefs front office, but man, Nate, that is a tough, that's a tough order to try to find a guy like that year after year after year. Because at some point, you're going to see somebody on film, you're going to see them at the combine, you're going to see them running their four whatever forties, and 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 they're not going to be able to perform out on the field the way Legarius D does. I I just think, you know, I just my own personal opinion is I think you can get closer with the big guys up front on the defensive line, uh, given the, some of the size and athletic ability of some of these guys, you just point them in the right direction and they go. Now, granted, Chris Jones is, look, he's, if not the best, you know, one of the best defensive tackles and defensive linemen in, in the entire NFL and maybe a, a generational-type player. But, you know, with that kind of cap number and where the Chiefs need to go and some of the other holes they need to fill, it could be a detriment. And, and I think they could get Legereus for – less than that and also have room to, to pay other players and then also be able to find somebody a little closer to a Chris Jones. Not that you're going to get close, but maybe a little bit closer. We're visiting with Joe Valerio. When I posed Jake Gutierrez the question of what is the most important thing the Chiefs should try to get that they, you know, if it's a player they could have for the next five plus years, he said left tackle. Mm -hmm. uh, your thoughts on the importance of addressing 
the offensive line when the future for left tackle is uncertain and on the interior of the offensive line, maybe after this next year, it becomes uncertain. How big of a priority should that be for the Chiefs in the offseason? Well, I think the line should always be a top priority, not because I'm a part of the fraternal order of offensive linemen, the fools, but you know, I, I still think that it, it is, it's where the games are won. You know, if you can't run the ball and you can't establish yourself up front, if you can't protect your quarterback and, and have, a, have a, a team of guys that work together with great chemistry, it, it, it can be a disaster. And I don't want to harp on the old, you know, because let's think about the Super Bowl win, but that Super Bowl loss to the Bucks, man, like that was a microcosmic pinpoint example of what a line can do when you don't have the depth and you don't have the skills, right? And, and that was an example of why they need to continue to develop there. I mean, Nick was amazing, Alec Reddy, in that game. You know, Joe Tooney showed a little bit of his age with this, you know, this, this tech issue. And, you know, we got Creed and Trey locked up. I, you know, it, it was a little bit of a rough start for, for the offensive line. But, man, Andy Heck really did a great job of pulling that all together and bringing a group of – a disparate group of guys together this year and, and making them play. So I give a lot of kudos to, to what they did. But you're right. I think keeping the offensive line solid with a group of guys that can play together and, and do it early so they can start to build that chemistry throughout the offseason, through training camp, because that's where it has to happen. It's, you know, offensive line is a position that you have to play together. There is no substitute for playing because you, be you have to be able to communicate with grunts and pointing and and just a look out of the corner of your eye, like you can't. There, there is, you know, it, it just you have to play there. You have to learn, get reps, get your hips together on zone blocking. Know where each other's going to be when you're passing off stunts and picking up blitzes. Uh, you know, yeah. So, I mean, I gave you my whole offensive line theory there in, in three minutes, but like I, I think I think it's something they have to address, and and they're going to have to go out and find them. You know, whether it's right tackle, left tackle, switching those guys around, getting more depth in, in the interior, it, it is definitely should be an issue for, for them. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're able to pick up a wide receiver, um, you know, if they're able to pick up a wide receiver in free agency, I wouldn't be surprised if they pick up an offensive lineman very early in the draft. Um, Go ahead. No, 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 I was going to say that, yeah, I, I would imagine that's what they would do if, if, if they, you know, it's been a while since they've done that, mm-hmm. and I think it might be it might be time for them, given a little bit of the, uh, you know, mixed feelings they probably feel about how they did in free agency over the last couple of years, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like left tackle is one of those positions where it's it's hard to find a bargain, right? If you're going to go on free agency, you're going to pay a lot uh, because everybody knows how important it is, and then if you mm-hmm. want to draft one, um, a lot of the, a lot of the those guys go in the first round, you know, so yeah, it'll be yeah. interesting. What did you think of the, like, how much more do we know about Wanye Morris? How confident should, should the Chiefs be in his ability to take a step forward next year? Yeah, I mean, I don't think he, I don't think he lost them any games when he was in there. Like, I don't think he, he was, you know, so bad that you were like, wow, what is that guy, you know, doing? Um, he seems to be competent, and he seems to understand the offense. doesn't look like he makes a lot of mental errors. He, he seems to be in the right place at the right time. So I, I, it's, hard, it's hard to say. When somebody that hasn't played, you know, more than, a, more than a full season or even a half of a season, it's really hard to, 
to get an idea about about you know what a, what an impact a player is going to have uh, on the team. I mean, he's got all the the physical skills as, as anybody, everybody who does who plays in the NFL. I think it comes down to you know being able to to assimilate to the offense on a day to day basis and play with the guy next to you the way you need to play with the guy next to you, right? Like you're like you're basically joined at the hip. And I think that's probably what he needs to do if he's going to develop. So, you know, they, they're going to have a, they have a lot of film on him, obviously, from practice. They see him all the time. It's just the only problem, Pete, is we all know is practice just isn't the same anymore. You know, I don't, these guys don't – if you're not competing in games, you, you know, you're not, like, you're not like really playing, you know, especially on the offensive line. And, and that's, a, that's a position where you need to go live. Like, you can't – you can't run like we call it, you know, we used to call it skeleton or skelly, seven on seven, right? When wide receivers go against D backs and linebackers and pass coverage, like you can do that all day and, and and you're simulating pretty much, you know, you could be simulating eighty to ninety percent of a game situation when you're running skelly drill. You can't do that on offensive line. Like you can't <laughs> you're either going you're either going live or you're not. Like, I don't care what anybody says. Well, you can still mirror your feet and you can pass lock a little bit with no pads on. I'm like, no, guys, no, you can't. Like, you have to go live. When you're zone blocking a 330-pound defensive tackle who runs a 4-4-40, right, and you're trying to get a hole for Isaiah Pacheco, like, you've got to get your hips together and blow that guy off the line. You can't practice that without going live, without being in pads in a game situation. And and I think that's that's like the – Sort of the problem or issue that the NFL has right now with line play is that they they take it so easy on the players in training camp and in mini camp and you know in, and even in the preseason that you know that's why I'll, you know use that old cliche September is the new preseason and until we see you know the boy talk about a long answer or a short question until we see one in that kind of a situation more and more and more it's going to be hard to tell. Well, Joe, we appreciate your long answers because they're thoughtful and thorough and, and they give us a lot to chew on and a lot to think about. And uh, you've done that all year for us, man. I mean, we really appreciate that. It's, it's, uh, we're going to still have you on if you're up for it a few different times during the course of the offseason when, when it's appropriate and things are going on. But, uh, man, can you believe it? it it's a year in the books of coming on the show every week. Thank you so much for, for allowing me to come on and connect with you guys and Stephen and you and, and Jake and, and, and the team and, and, and just connecting with the fans of Kansas City. It's such a treat. It makes my day. It, it, it's the bright spot of my week, getting to share thoughts with you guys and hear what's going on. And, and it, really is, it really is awesome. So thank you for that. And I look forward to joining you whenever you need. You know, it's, it's fun to, to watch this stuff. And, you know, with Jeff Bedoten and I, you know, doing our podcast each week, we're staying on top of things and, just like you know, Jake said when we were getting ready to get on, and just like you said, the NFL keeps giving you things day after day. So there really isn't an off season. There's a there's a there's there's a time when teams aren't playing competitive games, but there really isn't an off season anymore. And uh, you know, I'm happy to join in whenever whenever you guys need it. It, it is a it is an absolute treat, privilege, and honor to join you guys. So thank you so much. And you know what, I uh, I don't know if my work schedule. I'm, I start traveling with Major League Soccer this coming weekend, and I do have a Philadelphia Union game in week two, but it's here in Kansas City. I don't know if my schedule will send me to Philly. If it does, I'm looking you up, man, and you're taking me to your favorite uh, Philly cheesesteak place or, or Italian joint, whatever you want. Where would you take we me? We could do both. Who's, who, says, who says we have to do – we can't do both? That's a good, um, that's a good point. 
I would take you for a cheesesteak. I'd probably take you to Delisandro's. Um, uh, I would take you to Delisandro's for a cheesesteak. I would take you to Denick's for a roast pork with the long hots and the sharp provolone. And then I probably would take you to I'd probably take you to Dante and Luigi's uh, for dinner uh, in the old neighborhood in South Philly. So that, those would be the three. That'd be on our that'd be our breakfast, lunch, and dinner. <laughs> I'm 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 going to be calling you if I come to Philadelphia. Now you might have to be like a new phone who this. Sorry, I'm busy, but I'm I'm calling you, man. I'm telling you that well, much. You you absolutely <laughs> better. I I, I I I I I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I hope it happens. Hey, Joe, it's been great, man. We really appreciate it, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Okay. Sounds great, Nate. Tell Stephen I said hi, and thanks so much to Jake and everybody, and uh, look forward to catching up when we can. Will do. That is uh, that is Joe Valerio, who was with us all along this incredible Super Bowl journey, week by week. What what a season it was for the Kansas City Chiefs. There were times I don't think we thought this was going to be a special year, but it was. And uh, we'll take a break. We're going to tell you more about how you can commemorate that special year here in a little bit right here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. The less I know, the better. I've uh, A lot of times I change this, uh, the words in this song in my mind to the less I say, the better. As a very verbose person sometimes. But I have made a living out of talking to this point, so I guess not always true. The uh, old phrase, think twice, talk once. Yeah. I think I do the opposite way more instinctively. You know, I have to I have to consciously tell myself that. Uh, it's a challenge. Hey, <laughs> the, the Jayhawks got a 67-57 win over Oklahoma. Lined my pockets. Yeah. Minus three. You made you made that money back from the yeah, Texas Tech game. I'm gonna get hey. pony right back up to that the old, table. The old bounce back, baby. Yeah. There you go. Much like Kevin McCullough in the game, who's having a rotten day shooting the basketball. And I was texting with my buddies, and one of them said, "You know, can he please stop shooting? He's one of seven from three. And I said, "Only one way to get out of a slump, baby. He hit his next shot, so he went two for eight from three. He's not right, man. I I, I hope his knee's okay." Um, I think you he's could out. See him yeah, I mean, he was limping all over the court. Give credit to the guy. I mean, he's trying to fight through it. Yeah, but I think it's 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 clear to see as you you too, Jake, that it's not uh, something that he's he's not one hundred percent. But the, the Jayhawks got to win big big away win just from the standpoint that it was an away win. Uh, let's hear from Bill Self uh, and Greg Gurley their post game interview. We're here for the Martin Pringle Bill Self post game interview. Got down by five at half, had a nice run. At the end of the half, he got down by five, but what a second half performance. Defensively, we're turned up, got some easy buckets. The three ball started to fall, and again, defensively dominated that half and got on the glass. Yeah, you know, it's uh, they go 4 22 the second half, and, and we did a better job getting to shooters and. Our ball screen coverage was better. And then, of course, uh, the first half, they pretty much got what we wanted. Low energy game, both teams. Both teams are tired. I mean, I mean, this is a, you know, OU's tired and we're tired. I, I, I told one of the coaches after the game, he said, well, that's why the score is 67 to 57 because, you know, neither team really was able to press the issue much. But we did execute. Second half, I thought KJ was much better. Hunter was obviously a presence, twenty and sixteen, and 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 you know we don't win the game unless Kevin plays, and and then of course Johnny Johnny makes some big plays, and 
and then we went to Juan late, and Juan delivered. But it was a, you know, we 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 we, we get fortunate in some ways, but pretty efficient. I mean, I was I was proud of our guys. We got to figure out how we're going to score. People are figuring out the little some of the little things that we do to try to get some easy baskets, and we got to come up with some new stuff, uh, and that's that's our responsibility. But. Uh, uh, you know, it's just, it's just we 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 got we also got to shoot the ball better, and I think we will. I think Kevin's rhythm was off, and I think he's definitely capable of going better than two for eight. But, but man, those were two big ones that he and Johnny hit back to back. Yeah, as you look at some of the numbers, how nice is it to have Kevin back again? Four for fourteen for the field, not a great line, but that three in the corner to put us up by three was a backbreaker for Oklahoma. Yeah, ten points and eight re- eight eight rebounds and. And, you know, he's hurting. I mean, he's not 100%. He's not close. He's probably 70 or 80%. But but uh, there were some good things that he did. And, of course, uh, uh, you know, proud of his toughness. And, and uh, uh, you yeah, know, we did some good things. Guys played smarter second half. But still, that's not... That's 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 not a turned up victory, even though anybody that looks at that and says we will be the top twenty five team by ten on the road when we've been struggling, you know, they're gonna know is a great win. Well, KJ didn't scratch in that first half, but plays 32 minutes, and he was the energy in that second half. Got a couple easy buckets, ended up with nine, four rebounds, but defensively he was everywhere in that second half. I thought so too. Uh uh you know, he's to, to me, he's as versatile as any player is in the country and has a hard guard today because Moore was on. You know, we didn't anticipate Moore coming out and, 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 and making two of his first three threes. I think his first one uh, was an air ball, and then he comes back and makes two in a row. We, we, we weren't anticipating that, but still yet he did it. He was good. and and uh, But really, I think the game may have been won the last two minutes of the first half because it went from like 10 to 5, didn't it? 11 to 5. 11 to 5 the last two minutes. And and so we, we, we went into the locker room, you know, feeling okay. Yeah, but Hunter Dickinson struggled the last couple games, and, and we looked down at the line, 20 points, 16 rebounds. Kansas out-rebounds Oklahoma 40-29, to 29, but how nice is it to have that presence in the middle and you're able to go to him late in the clock under four minutes to go? Yeah, yeah, big time. He made a couple of, of, of huge plays. He's still not shooting the ball like he's capable of shooting. I'm surprised when he misses still, and, and uh, you know, he can, he can definitely uh, – scored a little easier. He didn't look to score when he first touched it. You know, he had a size advantage and passed it out at the first couple of times he touched it. But, uh, uh, yeah, he was much better. He needed to see the ball go in the basket, and we just needed something good to happen. I mean, it's uh, – uh, this – you know, these are dog days, and, you know, people have their opinions on – you know why we haven't played as well, or whatever. But I'm going to be real straight with you. I think actual fatigue and health has played a huge role in it. So now we hopefully get a chance to. We we, we said all along, it's the toughest stretch of our season. Hopefully, we, you know we got through it. So hopefully now we can get rested and and be our best when you know when it counts the most. And one other guy I want to talk about is your freshman Johnny Furphy. Thirty seven minutes just comes in, makes big shots, gets big rebounds, and if there's a loose ball on the 
floor, he somehow comes up with it every time. Yeah, he's he's doing great. You know, I I I, uh, I thought he's passive. He's he hasn't been driving the ball. He hasn't been as aggressive, uh, getting downhill and stuff. But he's been aggressive shooting the ball. And of course, you know, he's labored of late, and it's good to see uh, that first one go down to give him some confidence. How nice is it to have six days off, not off, but not have a game midweek, and then have a couple of home games coming up? Yeah, I don't know what we're going to do. I, I don't know if we we watch tape tomorrow and maybe walk through something and then and then uh you know take monday off and then practice tuesday take wednesday off i don't know exactly what our strategy will be but we need to get our bodies rested well enjoy this one travel safe and we'll see you back in allen Fieldhouse next saturday against the texas longhorns thanks Bill Selwood, Greg Gurley, okay, so what he said there that really stood out to me the most, he said, you know, everybody has their opinions on why we've struggled on the road. I certainly put my hand up on that. I mean, I don't even know if I have opinions other than it just it just catches my attention. I'm not used to seeing a Bill Self coach team struggle like this on the road, especially against bottom half teams in the Big 12, especially in close games. You're used to seeing the Kansas team being the team that executes better. You're used to seeing them being the team that Bill Self always uses the phrase, keeps a tight huddle on the road. And they just haven't been that in Big 12 play. I guess I have some theories why. Biggest theory you hear from everybody is, well, they're missing that fifth guy. And now that Johnny Furphy's there, they got some injuries, and so they still don't have a, a complete complement of players the lack of outside shooting consistently is a concern to me i guess but what bill self said here was i'm here to tell you fatigue and health are the two biggest problems now why is fatigue a bigger problem now than in other years maybe that ties right into the depth part if you can't trust other guys to play more minutes maybe everybody's a little more worn out the health part, we see it with, with McCuller. We talk about that. Maybe there's other injuries going on that we don't even know about. I know at one point I think uh, Dickinson suffered a bit of an injury. He's had to play through. Guys are going to be banged up through the course of a well, season. Harris turned his ankle pretty bad against Baylor. Yep. And he you know he finished that game on a limp. And, and he said there, we don't win this game if Kevin doesn't play. So Kevin's out there playing hurt, you know, and, and uh, struggling to shoot. But they need him. They need him. He can't just take a couple games off and be like, oh, it's going to be okay. So does this week make a big difference? Because here's what comes up for Kansas. It's crazy to me to think there's still five games left in the regular season. They've got Texas at home. They've got BYU at home. They've got at Baylor, K-State at home, and then they finish at Houston. So let me ask you this, Jake. With that schedule ahead of them, right now Kansas eight and five in the league. Iowa State and Houston are tied at nine and three. They play each other tonight, so one of those teams is going to have a loss. But Kansas two games behind whoever's in first place with five games left. What kind of a chance do you give this Kansas team of being in a position where that last game of the regular season at Houston? is a game that could determine the Big 12 title. Can they be in a position where they're only a game behind? So they'd have to 
mean, for that to be possible, the two games back after night from either one of those two teams. Houston's got to lose a game and they got to win out at the minimum, right? And they have Texas and BYU at home. They're on the road against Baylor, home against Kansas State. And then, I mean, realistically, I think they could go. Hmm. I mean, three and one's probably what they're going to be going into that Houston game. Are there two Houston losses? Houston has Iowa State tonight at Baylor. Cincinnati, wow. at Oklahoma, at Central Florida, then Kansas. Probably not. They probably do not have two losses in them. Now, what about Iowa State? Because Iowa State, now, I, I think you know, they're going to be the underdogs tonight. They're playing at Houston. But they're tied right now with Houston for first place. They have West Virginia, at, they have West Virginia Oklahoma, at Central Florida, BYU, K-State. They've got the easiest schedule the yeah. rest of the way. Iowa State I'd does. I'd say no doubt about that. A game tonight's going to be fun, isn't it? Yeah, Iowa I mean, State I, at I think, Houston? I think a lot of... Uh, I, I think Houston wins that game, but I think if, for Kansas to have a chance, um, I don't know who you'd re- be rooting for. I mean... I think you need Houston to win and then hope... Because you have that you have yeah. that last game against Houston that you you, you know... And then hope for them to lose one more. I wonder if Kansas has to win out to have a chance at the Big 12 title. I mean, they do. I mean, they have to win out to have a shot at the title. You would think, looking at it that way. We'll see. Bill Self says, hey, team's been tired, not healthy. They get a week off. Can they put it together for a run and make that interesting? I don't know. We'll see. We'll take a break. We've got uh, Bob Ibach coming up next on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Well, our next guest has become a regular on this show because all we do is win around here. And when we win, he has really interesting items that can help you commemorate those championships. Bob Ibach joins us once again. Good morning, Bob. How are you? Hey, I'm doing good, Nate. Nice to be with you again. And uh, I just want to say that we're continuing uh, getting our hearts and, and prayers out to your, your great city over there and what happened last week. And I just wanted to let everybody know that everybody's been on our minds here. So I, you know, I've worked with a lot of the folks in the uh, the Kansas City area over the years, going back to my own career years ago when I was a sports writer with the Baltimore Evening Sun, covered the Orioles in those days, used to get out there uh, when the Royals we're playing the Orioles, so I have a lot of history, and certainly with the Chiefs, you talk about history, and I know I wanted to uh, just touch in with you guys this morning because I know we talked last week and uh, earlier before on the uh, Super Bowl and that dramatic 25-22 overtime win against San Francisco in Las Vegas, and we've had a, a wonderful opportunity to raise monies for CASA which is the court-appointed special advocates or volunteers in your community uh, who have helped out many kids who have experienced abuse or neglect. Uh, They've raised a lot of money. They're based in Jackson County. And uh, we'll continue on these Super Bowl official footballs, the back-to-back championship footballs that we've been selling to raise monies for them. 
Uh, they're full license, fully licensed. They're full size. We start out with five thousand eight, and we're down to probably less than five hundred. So, when I give out that phone number and website, in just a moment, you're going to want to order these sooner than later because I think in the next couple of days they'll all be gone. They're priced at just one hundred nineteen dollars and ninety five cents each. You'll get a numbered certificate of authenticity. The footballs are full size. They're completely licensed, and each football, like I said, comes with that certificate of authenticity, which is numbered. And uh, on the top panel of the ball, and everything on this football is embossed. It's a special process that will keep everything pristine looking for years to come. The top panel has the uh, outlay of the 2023 season schedule with the scores, dates, opponents, right next to a real handsome Chiefs helmet logo. Right below that, we have information on the stadium history, the official Super Bowl 58 logo in Roman numerals, the AFC logo, and championship history for the franchise, which includes previous Super Bowls that they've won and AFC titles. And then the third panel is really historic because it's the first time ever, I was told, Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey will be on the same panel of the football in an action color photograph next to their statistics. So a lot of cool information on this ball. Here's how you can go ahead and, and get it. But, again, I caution people. Do this soon because you'll be left out. There's only about 500 left of the 5,000, and there's not being sold anywhere else. It's only going to help out CASA. Here's the phone number, 1-800-345-2868, 1-800-345-2868, or go to the website. You can see it there, nikosports.com, N I K. COsports.com, N-I-K-C-O-Sports.com, or 1-800-345-2868 to get this officially licensed back-to-back Super Bowl championships. It also has that big score, that 25-22 to overtime win in Las Vegas against San Francisco. And in closing, I know a lot of people said, well, you know, you'll be getting this in time for, for Mother's Day, uh, Father's Day, graduation gift idea. So if you've got a Chiefs fan which is celebrating anything coming up in the next two months, this is a must-have. What a fantastic gift idea to get them. Yeah, that's uh, some of us might have birthdays coming up, Bob, you know, so that could help, too. Um, Again, portions of the proceeds donated to Jackson County's CASA, which is a a wonderful organization, particularly in light of what's happened since the Super Bowl. Tell people one more time how they can get their hands on these footballs, because once again, this is a limited item. Yeah, it's $119.95 each. It's officially licensed back-to-back Super Bowl champions for the Kansas City Chiefs. The toll-free number to get these footballs, and only 5,000 will ever be made. we got about 500 left. 1-800-345-2868. 1-800-345-2868. Or check it out online. You'll see it there. It is beautiful. N-I-K-C-O-Sports.com. That's Nikosports.com. N-I-K-C-O-Sports.com. Or, again, that number, one 800 345 $119.95 will get you something that you'll have to keep for years and years. It'll be a great conversation piece when somebody comes into your office or home. They'll, go, they'll say, wow, where did you get that football? It's a one-of-a-kind. 
It is one of a kind. You're one of a kind, Bob, and we appreciate you. Thanks a lot for the time, and uh, I know those footballs are going to sell out real soon. Well, listen, Nate, I'm counting on being back with you again uh, next year. Yep. And uh, going for the three-peat. Well, we might as well just go ahead and make this an annual appointment. You know, we, we, we know that's going to happen. Uh, that is Bob Ibach, and we'll be back after this on Sports Radio 810 WHB.